freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, April 4th, 2015. This show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central Time. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. I'm going to be talking about the fear of self-defense and the fear of rebellion against tyranny. Why do people fear these things or the or why do they believe that somehow they should never be engaged in? And many people do believe those things. Many people do feel like that. So what are the psychological factors going on in their minds? What is their what is the logic, so-called logic, that's going on in their minds that makes them fear self-defense and fear righteous rebellion? We're going to be talking about this on the show tonight. I'm actually going to be reading a couple of articles that deal with things such as this, and then I'll be going to your calls, and uh, we'll be taking many calls throughout the show. So the call-in number to join us, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, 800 313 Nine four four three. Once again, the call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. A couple of quick announcements. This coming weekend, less than a week away, Free Your Mind 3, the biggest conference of its kind in this country, possibly throughout the world in the year of 2015, April 10th, 11th, and 12th, that's next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2015, at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel, just outside of Philadelphia, at 400 North Oxford Valley Road in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. The speakers for Free Your Mind 3, Bob Tuscan, Clint Richardson, Curtis the Illuminated One Davis, Dennis McKenna, Derek Brose, Ed Fortune the New Jersey Weed Man, Freeman, Fritz Springmeyer, 
Jay Parker, Janice Barcelo, John Bush, John and Bonnie Mitchell, John Vibes, Josie the Outlaw Wales, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Mark Devlin, myself Mark Passio, Ross Ben, Steve Stars, Stuart Swerdlow, an alternative media panel featuring Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change, the Free Thought Project, and the Anti-Media. A meeting of the minds, speaker panel discussion with many of the speakers from the conference. Open mic night sessions featuring members of the audience. And a showing of Dan Fogler's movie, Don Peyote. An all-weekend pass for the Free Your Mind 3 conference, only $150. The website, freeyourmindconference.com. Get your tickets if you don't have them already. You can get them right up to the days of the conference, or you can get them at the door at the same price. FreeYourMindConference.com is the website. I hope to see many, many people just outside of Philadelphia next weekend. I know I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be giving a presentation on Saturday evening entitled The Cult of Ultimate Evil, Order Followers, and the Destruction of the Sacred Feminine. That is my presentation title for this year's conference. It's going to be a very hard-hitting presentation. It's going to be a presentation that may be difficult for some people to hear because of the religious beliefs that they are still subjecting their mind to. And I mean the religion of authority, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the Free Your Mind Conference coming up at us next weekend. It's just going to be a huge event, and I once again, I hope that it's jam-packed, and I hope to see many of you there. The What on Earth is Happening promotional t-shirt original design has sold out, so if you did get an order form, email me for an order form for one of those shirts. Please do not send orders for those because they are gone, and I don't think I'm going to be repressing that design because I have a new design that I've already pressed, and it is going to debut at Free Your Mind 3. I'll be bringing many of them to the conference, to table, uh, at my personal table. And uh, whatever is left over will be available to the public after the conference. So um, I'll be posting the design probably in the middle of this coming week just to give people a, a little taste of you know what, they'll, what will be available at the conference and uh, so that people can you know put their, get their orders in um, you know for after the event is over. So to receive a uh, promotional t-shirt, uh, you could click on the uh, promotional t-shirt link that will be posted on the left hand side of the website this coming week. I think I'm going to post it on um, probably on Tuesday, April 7th. So three days from today, I'll post a new t-shirt design on the website. Also, there is a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. If you feel that you have received value from the information that has been presented and shared on both the What on Earth is Happening radio show and on my website through my podcasts and my videos, you can feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue it into the future. Also, RBN has been hosting a donation drive to help support the network and keep it on the airwaves. You can donate to RBN by phone. You could pledge a donation by phone by calling toll-free 800-724-2719. 
Once again, that number, 800-724-2719. You could also uh, go to the PayPal link on the donation tab at republicbroadcasting.org. That'll take you right to their PayPal donation. And uh, there is also a mailing address if you want to send a check, a donation by check. The mailing address is 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. So if you are in a position to do so, uh, please help out the network. Uh, they could definitely use it, and uh, you know that's what it's all about. This network is listener-supported, and uh, your donations help keep it going. So I want to direct everyone's attention to the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page. If you're not already listening there, of course, underneath the player for live broadcast, there are images for tonight's show. The first two images, there's only three images up there this evening. The first two images are posters for the Free Your Mind 3 conference. You could feel free to share them. And the third image is a meme that was made regarding the latest topic that I have been covering on the show over the last few weeks, which is gun ownership and gun ownership rights and the Second Amendment in particular. I just completed giving an extended version of my um, true meaning and purpose of the Second Amendment presentation that I originally gave uh, a couple months back here in Philadelphia. Uh, I gave this extended presentation on the air over the last few weeks and uh, got a lot of positive feedback and responses from people. And um, uh, a listener uh, that... um, post to uh, a Facebook group that is dedicated to my work made, uh, he created a meme of me uh, from that presentation, a photo of me from the Second Amendment presentation with my AK-47 and underneath it, it is a quote from me that says, if there are no guns in your country, that means slavery was perfected there. It's a quote that I Uh, came out with um, uh, during the first half of my Second Amendment presentation that I gave live on the airwaves a few weeks back. And um, I was pretty riled up during that show because I was thinking about all the efforts that are being made to try to curtail gun ownership rights and how many states in the United States have completely unconstitutional and immoral gun laws on the books that have no business having ever been enacted whatsoever. And, um, you know, having thinking about having been thinking about that over the days before I was doing that uh, particular presentation, um, the vitriol definitely was raised in me, let's just say. But um, this meme, I tried to kind of get it to spread as much as possible on Facebook, because a lot of people need to hear words spoken just like that, you know, because so many people think it's so wonderful and great that there's no guns in their country, that the citizenry has been disarmed, you know, and therefore they have absolutely no means of resistance against tyrannical government. And they somehow think that isn't going to happen in their country when it has happened repeatedly time and time and time again throughout history, genocide by a tyrannical government. So, People like that, in my opinion, are just completely naive. They have the mindset of little children. And, you know, as much as I'll 
you know, directly come out and say how I feel about people like that. I would still encourage them if, if, uh, they're living, anybody who's from a country where the citizenry has been disarmed, like let's say England or Australia has been largely disarmed. Germany has almost been completely disarmed, not entirely, but it's most of the way there. If anybody wants to call in from any of these locations, you know, I'd like to hear what you think about your nation's uh, populace being disarmed and basically at the mercy of your governments. Because let me tell you something, folks. One thing I know is not going to happen here. The citizenry is not going to be disarmed in America. You can bet on that as sure as you can bet on the sun rising on the eastern horizon tomorrow morning. Okay? That's one thing I'll guarantee you with my dying breath. They can try all they want. They can pull however many false flags they want to try to pull. It's all nonsense. It's all a big act to try to tug on the heartstrings of people and say, oh, look at how many how many more children have to be killed. You know how many more? Every single person on the face of the earth. How about that? You want a number? There's the number. Then you'll have no more gun owners in America. When every person on the face of the earth is gone. And not a minute until. You're never going to get that done. All the Marxists and socialists and communists and fascists and Nazis out there. You're never going to get it done here. But they'll keep trying, folks. Believe it. Believe me, they'll keep trying. You know... One thing I do want to mention before I get into some of the material I want to cover here tonight, we are in, I neglected to mention this last week, um, or two weeks ago I should say, uh, just letting people know I didn't do a live show last week, there was a little bit of uh, confusion on the network end of things, and uh, uh, scheduling got a little bit messed up, and I just didn't prepare a show and didn't go live, so it was just some back-end confusion and complication that took place so uh that's all been worked out and everything is fine but um uh i didn't do i two weeks ago i did do a show and it was during i believe the very first um first uh week of the season of sacrifice the occult season of sacrifice as it is known uh that show was on Uh, March 21st, and the season of sacrifice is a 40-day time period that runs from March 19th through May 1st. It is a time period during which the dark occultists that basically are running Earth um, do sacrificial rituals and blood sacrifices on a mass scale to essentially um, basically pay homage to the gods that they believe in, the entities that they believe have to be appeased, and many of them do believe in entities such as that. Many of them do not. Um, and they are they also pull these false flag events, these human sacrifice ritualistic events, in order to um, instill large amounts of fear, to inject large amounts of fear into the populace so that they can sway their minds in a particular direction that they want them to go in. This is, of of course, has been referred to politically as false flag events, but they often take the place of ritualistic human sacrifices that are all, not always, but very often done in a location that is the name of a goddess, 
a goddess figure. Okay, so you'll see um, Columbine High School. Columbia is the dove. The dove is a representation of the goddess. Virginia Tech, the virgin. Okay, another representation of the goddess. The Columbia Space Shuttle disaster. Again, Kalum means dove. Um, Aurora, another uh, Greek interpretation of the goddess. Okay, so the Aurora shootings. Um, you, you'll see this on and on and on in many of the rituals that they do. And we're in the thick of it right now. April is their favored month to pull one of these sacrificial rituals. Some people think that one has already been done and was the um, crashing of this plane with 150 people on it into the French Alps, um, this German plane. So it is quite possible that that was one of these season of sacrifice rituals. Um, if so, it's kind of a uh, you know, a light one, if you will, because it's not quite what I would call a false flag, but who knows the reasons that something like that may have been done deliberately. Um, so it's been suggested that may have been one of these rituals. Uh, I'm not speculating either way on that, but I am saying that this is the time period to really be vigilant for false flag events, especially um, mass shooting events you know, like the Port Arthur massacre, which was, I believe, done during the season of sacrifice as well. You know, that was, you know, we had our Sandy Hook, which was supposed to be like the Port Arthur massacre to get all the gun laws, you know, enacted against semi-autos, etc. here in the United States. And it didn't work out the way that they planned because a lot of people saw right through the Sandy Hook false flag. You know, it's like one of these things where absolutely no part of it stands up on its own. No part of it makes sense, just like the official story of 9-11, which was another one of these ritualistic sacrifices, not during the season of sacrifice, but certainly a uh, sacrificial uh, mass human sacrifice ritual event uh, that was a false flag slash inside job. But um, I just wanted to put that out there. I am not going to do an entire, uh, you know, re-evaluation of what the season of sacrifice is. If you want that, you can get that in former podcasts and um, learn all about it and, you know, how, what their belief system is regarding that, uh, the dark occult. But I just wanted to let people know we are in the thick of the season of sacrifice, April, particularly around April 19th and 20th for you know, some reason they really, really like to bring event, you know, mass events out around that time period, although they do do it earlier in the month of April many times. So keep an eye out, be vigilant. It is very possible that uh, a false flag event is on the way because this is their favorite time of year to pull them out. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So before the break, um, I was talking a little bit about the season of sacrifice, how we're in the middle of it, and how to wa- and warning people that they should just be vigilant for the possibility of false flag events. And if it does happen, you know, tell everybody that this is a staged event. They always are. And, um, you know, it's always for an alternative agenda to try to get gun control measures passed or to just try to inject enough fear into the population that these controllers can get whatever agenda that they want to accomplish through with as little resistance from the public as possible. The answer is being aware of how they pull this tactic and therefore uh, eliminating its effects. So, um, going back to the main topic, uh, I was saying that I'd like to get some calls from people later on in the show, if anyone wants to call in, from countries that have been largely disarmed or completely disarmed their populace, and see what they have to say about something like that, and what, if anything, they feel can be done about that deplorable situation. So, um, if there is anybody listening from countries such as that, feel free to call in. Uh, again, the uh, toll-free number, 800-313-9443. Before I go to calls later on in the show, however, I want to read a couple of articles related to the topic of gun ownership and self-defense and the psychological fear of self-defense, which is the main focus. But before we get into that particular topic, I want to um, read an article uh, that is about the gun being a symbol of civilization, which I ended my Second Amendment uh, presentation podcast on that note, that it is said the gun is civilization. And I'm in complete agreement with that sentiment, personally. I think if everyone was armed, a society would be... extremely more polite to each other because you know that everybody has uh, equality in deadly force capability and therefore everybody's going to be a little bit uh, more hesitant shall we say to infringe upon other people's natural rights if they knew everybody had that capacity so this article is called the gun is civilization and it's by Major L. Caudill, I think I'm pronouncing that right, or Caudill, uh, retired Marine. So I'm going to comment possibly occasionally during the reading of these articles, you know, as I've done before on the show. So just bear with that. If I want to make a point during, I'll make my point and then say I'm continuing with the article now to give you a distinction of when uh, is the article and when I'm making a commentary on it. And I'll also post these articles with the podcast, of course. So this is called The Gun is Civilization. Human beings have only have two ways to deal with one another, reason and force. If you want me to do something for you, you have a choice of either convincing me via argument or force me to do your bidding under threat of force. Every human interaction falls into one of these two categories without exception, reason or force. That's it. 
In a truly moral and civilized society, people exclusively interact through persuasion. Force has no place as a valid method of social interaction. And the only thing that removes force from the menu is the personal firearm, as paradoxical as it may sound to some. When I carry a gun, you cannot deal with me by force. You have to use reason and try to persuade me, because I have a way to negate your threat or employment of force. The gun is the only personal weapon that puts a 100-pound woman on equal footing with a 220-pound mugger, a 75-year-old retiree on equal footing with a 19-year-old gangbanger, and a single guy on equal footing with a carload of drunk guys with baseball bats. The gun removes the disparity in physical strength, size, or numbers between a potential attacker and a defender. There are plenty of people who consider the gun as the source of bad force equations. These are the people who think that we'd be more civilized if all guns were removed from society, because a firearm makes it easier for an armed mugger to do his job. That, of course, is only true if the mugger's potential victims are mostly disarmed, either by choice or by legislative fiat. It has no validity when most of a mugger's potential marks are armed. So I hear the break music coming up, folks. I'll continue this article called The Gun is Civilization on the other side of this break. Stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run. Try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I'm going to jump right back in and continue with the article entitled, The Gun is Civilization. People who argue for the banning of arms ask for automatic rule by the young, the strong, and the many. And that's the exact opposite of a civilized society. A mugger, even an armed one, can only make a successful living in a society where the state has granted him a force monopoly. Then there's the argument that the gun makes confrontations lethal that would otherwise only result in injury. This argument is fallacious in several ways. Without guns involved, confrontations are won by the physically superior party inflicting overwhelming injury on the loser. People who think that fists, bats, sticks, or stones don't constitute lethal force watch too much TV, where people take beatings and come out of it with a bloody lip at worst. The fact that the gun makes lethal force easier works solely in the favor of the weaker defender, not the stronger attacker. If both are armed, the playing field, the field is level. 
The gun is the only weapon that's as lethal in the hands of an octogenarian as it is in the hands of a weightlifter. It simply wouldn't work as well as a force equalizer if it wasn't both lethal and easily employable. When I carry a gun, I don't do so because I am looking for a fight, but because I'm looking to be left alone. The gun at my side means that I cannot be forced, only persuaded. I don't carry it because I'm afraid, but because it enables me to be unafraid. It doesn't limit the actions of those who would interact with me through reason. Only the actions of those who would do so by force. It removes force from the equation, and that's why carrying a gun is a civilized act. Absolutely phenomenal article, ladies and gentlemen. I'll post it with the podcast. Anybody who doesn't understand the pure and simple logic that is contained in that article, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they are clearly brainwashed by the state. That's all I'll say. And you know, it's it's funny because so many people can get things halfway. You know, this is by a retired Marine who is an order follower in one way and yet fully understands, you know, the self-defense principle in another way. You see a lot of this going on where there's only still partial enlightenment everywhere throughout society. And this is one of the main problems. There's not total enlightenment. You don't have a whole lot of people in the populace that fully understand both the sacred feminine principle of non-aggression, do not initiate force against your fellow sentient beings, and simultaneously deeply understand the sacred masculine principle of self-defense, which is if someone else does violate your inherent rights and has come at you with violence that is violating your right to be left unaccosted and unharmed, you have a right to defend yourself with physical force against that attack, period. And that includes the threat of attack. That includes coercion. That includes um, being put under the state known as duress. You have a right to end the state of duress when you are threatened continuously with violence. The only thing that I would have liked to have seen someone like this do in his language or and wording, in his verbiage, is to just use the word violence everywhere he used the word force. Then I think the article would be practically perfect. Because force isn't violence, you know. We understand what he's saying, to coerce someone to do something, you know, to do it by coercion. Um... I prefer the term violence wherever it can be used in place of force because it means that you are violating someone else's rights and it becomes much less ambiguous when used like that uh, in human language. Uh, There's a big problem with the obfuscation of force and violence which I tried to clarify repeatedly in my natural law seminar and in the material here on what on earth is happening. In any event, uh, that's the first article that I wanted to read, and anybody that wants to comment on that is, uh, you know, feel free to do so. I'll post that with the podcast, uh, of course. The next article I want to jump right into is called Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution. And 
This is a absolutely brilliant article by Brandon Smith. Uh, I don't really know Brandon Smith. I know he is a uh, blog writer for a couple of different blogs. But uh, after reading this article, I just think that uh, he has a, a very spot-on perspective and a brilliant mind. And, uh, you know, I commend him for writing this. And this fits in with the topic I want to talk about here tonight, which is the fear of rebellion. Why so many people are against rebellion against tyranny. So many people think, oh, it was, it was great that the founding fathers did it, and the Revolutionary Army and the, the colonists in the United States rebelled against a totally uh, psychopathic king, but somehow we're in such a different situation today. You know, what, less of our rights are being violated and not more? We're under less coercion, we're under less threat of violence, we're under less duress here in America today than we were back in, you know, the late 18th century, you know, in the, in the late 1700s. How, how does that, how is that possible? Because you could have fooled me, folks, you know. I mean, the things that our forefathers here in America went to war over and were willing to dispatch other people over were far less egregious than what's taking place in America today. Where a thousand people a year are being murdered without trial by police in America. And we don't think we have an epidemic of police violence, of police criminality. While our military forces are being used to serve global elitist bankers and being sent to kill people that pose no threat to us. Only a threat that's whipped up in the minds of people by the media, by the complicit yellow journalist propagandist media in this country who are bought and paid for liars. So my point here to go back to it is why are so many people in such psychological fear of self-defense and rebellion, particularly when it comes to rebellion against an unethical and unlawful government? So this article is going to explore some of these psychological dynamics or the, the arguments against rebellion against tyranny or simply revolution as Brandon uh, puts it in this article. I prefer the term rebellion to the term revolution because rebellion takes on a little bit more of a righteous connotation and revolution has that idea of you're going around again, you know. Righteous physical rebellion can be the same as righteous revolution. The two terms, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to split hairs here. They can be used interchangeably. I simply prefer the term rebellion, particularly rebellion against tyranny. So here's the article. It's entitled, Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution by Brandon Smith. Our era is a strange one when considering how social attitudes have developed in such a contrary fashion to the rest of history. I think that our forefathers would look upon our current culture with bewilderment when confronted with the fact that our generation has all but abandoned the option of physical rebellion as a tool for social change. 
even amongst the most enslaved of nations and peoples, the idea of revolution has been held in regard as an entirely moral and principled affair involving every individual, no matter their age or economic station. Today, however, that which we call, quote, revolution has been delegated mostly to college-age intellectuals and has been so watered down and whitewashed with politically correct restrictions that the concept is hardly recognizable. I believe the civil rights movements in America and in India in the 20th century have in many ways warped the public view of how opposition to totalitarianism is actually accomplished. I find it interesting that movements led by Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. enjoy so much adoration in the mainstream media and in public schooling, while the American Revolution is often either misrepresented or not discussed at all. Gandhi's movement was, in concrete terms, a failure until Indians had actually began organizing to physically fight the British causing the crown to attempt to defuse the movement by suddenly offering up a reformation of Indian governance, one that would continue to benefit them, of course meaning the British. When one examines the facts surrounding COINTELPRO operations by the FBI and CIA during the civil rights movement in America, one realizes that half the efforts and actions were legitimate and the other half entirely manipulated. Over the course of half a century, the philosophy of, quote, anti-violence has come to include a distinct distaste for self-defense. Self-defense is now consistently equated to, quote, violence and is thus immoral in other people's minds, regardless of environmental circumstances. Even in the liberty movement, there are people who disregard physical defense as either barbaric or futile and have adopted rather less effective pacifist ideologies of more socialist activism. The problem with certain factions of libertarianism is that they tend to live within their own heads. I'm breaking in here for a moment because this phrase right here resonates deeply with me when it comes to the interaction with a lot of, quote, libertarians. And they have been known as, as Brandon will get to in a moment, the eggheads, the egghead libertarians. They're only putting forth all these intellectual ideas, but if someone suggests that someone that does not have a right to coerce someone should be dealt with in a physical fashion, then all of a sudden everybody backs up 10 steps. Whoa, whoa, we're only talking about ideas here. See, it's never something that's brought into the realm of actual action. This is what is so psychologically feared in the so-called truth and so-called freedom movements. Continuing with the article, the problem with certain factions of libertarianism is that they tend to live within their own heads reveling in a world of Anne Randian and Rothbardian political and social theory while abandoning the other side of concrete resistance. 
Some in the survival community call these people, quote, egghead libertarians. And boy, is that true. And I think the label fits. I agree, Brandon, wholeheartedly. Continuing, they rejoice only in the intellectual. Thus, they tend to see themselves only as, quote, intellectual warriors, unquote. For them, the war against tyranny, by extension, must be fought on an intellectual battlefield. Otherwise, as individuals, they have little to offer the resistance. They believe that if they merely present a better and more logical philosophy, they will win over the masses to their side or even change the souls of the rather soulless psychopaths creating the tyranny in the first place. Like magic, they will have won the fight without ever truly fighting. It sounds like a strategy right out of the art of war, but really, it is an intricate excuse designed to avoid risk. An intricate excuse designed to avoid risk. My emphasis. Continuing, they have almost no experience with and therefore no respect for the concept of self-defense and revolution, and they have no capacity to fathom what such an endeavor would entail. This unknown scenario inspires fear in them, a fear of struggle, a fear of failure, and a fear of death. While taking action from a, posi- from a position of love for one's fellow man is indeed noble, it is sometimes not enough in the face of pure evil. The kind of evil inherent in the ranks of elitism and the globalist ideology. It is important to keep at least one foot on the ground when building a movement of dissent and realize that while maintaining the moral high ground is paramount, there are limitations to what peaceful resistance can accomplish depending on the opponent. Let me read that sentence again because it is profound. It is profound and needs to be deeply contemplated by everyone out there. It is important to keep at least one foot on the ground when building a movement of dissent and realize that while maintaining the moral high ground is paramount, there are limitations to what peaceful resistance can accomplish depending on the opponent. If you are not prepared to use both peaceful means and physical defense if necessary, your movement will ultimately fail against an enemy without conscience. Once again, I'm going to read that sentence again to let it sink in. If you are not prepared to use both peaceful means and physical defense if necessary, your movement will ultimately fail against an enemy without conscience. Never before in history have humans been so dismissive of the self-defense concept 
and I attribute this to clever conditioning and to an ingrained and powerful fear. Here are some of the most commonly heard arguments against physical revolution and why they are either ill-conceived or outright disingenuous. And here is point number one that the people who are psychologically in fear of self-defense and rebellion against tyranny always try to bring up. Is revolution morally wrong? So he's asking this question. Revolution is morally wrong, question mark. Is it? So continuing with the article. I I think that's the break music coming up, is it? Yes. Okay. So we'll continue this on the other side of the break, ladies and gentlemen. Reading the article from Brandon Smith, Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution, a absolutely brilliantly written article we're going to pick up on the concept of is physical rebellion is revolution morally wrong on the other side of this break you're listening to what on earth is happening stay with us we'll be right back Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're reading an article. I'm reading an article on air uh, called Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution by Brandon Smith. And I'm going to continue it right now with a section called Revolution is Morally Wrong? Question mark. I find the attitude of moral superiority of the nonviolence crowd rather disconcerting at times and in many ways dishonest. It is very common to run into nonviolence proponents who are not satisfied with their own personal choice of pacifism alone. In many cases, they will attack or undermine other parts of the movement preparing for self-defense on the basis that even mere preparation is somehow akin to physical aggression. These people are never satisfied until everyone in the movement meets their, quote, high standards, unquote, of activist purity. In the end, I think their position is less about a regard for peace than it is about a regard for their own egos. People in general tend to support the formation of taboos as opposed to honest principles in order to gain what they see as the moral upper hand over others. They invent a condition of arbitrary piety around themselves in an act of self-elevation that does not constitute true morality. Anyone who makes self-defense a taboo is not only living in a fantasy land outside the inherent structures of natural law, he is also likely doing so because he enjoys the sense of social superiority such a position affords. In this way, many of the more irrational nonviolence activists are, in fact, no better than the raving acolytes of the cult of political correctness. Here, here. 
Physical self-defense against tyranny is not only necessary, but entirely honorable. When the violence of an individual is thwarted by defense, when a potential thief robs the wrong house, when a rape is prevented by an armed and prepared woman, or when a potential murderer is shot dead by a citizen who refused to be a victim, our society cheers. But when someone suggests the same measures be taken against a violent and corrupt government, people suddenly claim moral hazard. There is no difference between the act of defending oneself against a common criminal and defending oneself against a criminal government. And I'm going to read that sentence again, ladies and gentlemen. Let that one get hammered into the brain a little bit. There is no difference between the act of defending oneself against a common criminal and defending oneself against a criminal government. I would venture to say that self-defense is a moral imperative more vital to the survival of peace and freedom than any other. We'll pick this up on the other side, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We are talking about the psychological fear of self-defense that is so strong in the modern population due to social engineering and why people are afraid of even the discussion of the thought of rebelling against tyrannical government physically. You know, the last sentence here says it all that in this last section on this article called Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution by Brandon Smith. He said, quote, I would venture to say that self-defense is a moral imperative more vital to the survival of peace and freedom than any other. I mean, I, I, I'm in complete resonance with that sentiment. That is, that is 100% spiritual truth right there. 
And people need to get that through their head that that is spiritually true. That's the problem is you have religions like the New Age garbage movement pumping people's heads full of nonsense that there's no place for self-defense in a civilized society. I mean, please. The religion of stand down. Don't stand up for yourself. Stand down. Take whatever violence is thrown at you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's real spiritual. You're so enlightened, aren't you? It's, it's an absolutely deplorable garbage ideology that is based in self-loathing, that is based totally in fear. It's based in cowardice, pure cowardice, as is pacifism. It's a deplorable, self-loathsome ideology, pacifism. I am all for peace, ladies and gentlemen, but I want no part of pacifism. They're two entirely different things. They are completely diametrically opposed to each other. One of them fully embraces and incorporates the sacred feminine principle of non-aggression while simultaneously bringing in the sacred masculine principle of self-defense. A true philosophy of peace that's based in both of those sacred principles. Pacifism, on the other hand, totally throws out in the trash can the sacred masculine principle of self-defense and says somehow it's not valid. Well, I beg to differ. And anybody who wants to think that they're pursuing a spiritual path needs to get it right and understand both of those principles need to be in balance, in harmony, operating in union with each other. So this whole section that I just read, is revolution morally wrong? My question to the listening audience is, did the American revolutionaries during the Revolutionary War period, were they doing something that was moral? Were they somehow conducting immoral behavior by rebelling against the British who were coming over here across an ocean and oppressing us at the behest of a psychopathic king? Taking people's rights away? Raping their women? Doing violence unto people in the street? Putting soldiers on the street? Quartering them in people's homes? Completely destroying people financially? taking whatever they wanted, whatever decree the king said was law, was made into law, whether it was moral or not, whether it took people's rights away or not. So did they somehow do something that was immoral by rebelling against that so-called authority, that totally criminal, psychopathic government? I beg to differ. They did something completely moral that was based in higher consciousness, which is called love. The American Revolution was an act of love. And if you don't think so, you have your philosophy all twisted up. And you don't understand what real enlightenment or real spirituality is at all. Not even a little bit. So let's continue with this article. Brandon Smith, Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution. The next section is entitled, Revolution is Futile and the Enemy is Too Strong? This is another 
fallacious argument that's brought up by people who are just cowards and want to say we should never even consider the notion of physical rebellion. So here we go. When anti-defense initiates cannot effectively argue against the moral principles of physical revolution, they invariably change tactics, asserting instead that revolution is a useless endeavor that will only end in tragedy for the participants. I see this argument as a product of brainless nihilism rather than rationalism, and such a defeatist mindset invariably stems from cowardice rather than logic. Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderfully written. Truer words could not be spoken. Nihilism is a powerful psychological force that destroys all hope and all positive pursuits. It is essentially the act of denying success before an endeavor is ever undertaken. Nihilists ensure their own failure because, for them, every scenario is a no-win scenario. To them, I might seem like a blind optimist, while they see themselves as realists. In truth, pro-self-defense activists are far more realistic. Advocates are far more realistic. There is certainly a fundamental difference in the manner in which we look at the world. When I and those, quote, optimists like me see a problem, we look for a solution, regardless of the scale of the threat. And if we cannot immediately find an obvious solution right away, we keep working until we do. There is no such thing as a no-win scenario for us. There is always a way to overcome an obstacle. The odds of success are not relevant where revolution against oligarchy is concerned. I would also point out the reality that at bottom, it does not matter what the odds are in a revolution for freedom. When all is said and done, you will probably be confronted with two choices in the face of tyranny, fight and possibly die, or surrender, become a slave and probably still die. Those who argue against self-defense are, in most cases, trying to avoid the inevitability of this choice by creating non-options and non-solutions out of thin air. This is the opposite of realism. Physical revolution requires a methodology of adaptivity and courage. Fear has no place in the mind of a freedom fighter, and nihilism is just as foreign to him. The goal of liberty will be accomplished. Totalitarians will be defeated. The size of the movement is not a factor. We expect that we will be in the minority. There is no other outcome but victory because we will allow no other outcome, period. If we are proven wrong, then we are proven wrong. But it will not be due to a lack of trying. And there it is, folks.
I'll read that again. The goal of liberty will be accomplished. Totalitarians will be defeated. The size of the movement is not a factor. We expect that we will be in the minority. There is no other outcome but victory because we will allow no other outcome, period. If we are proven wrong, then we are proven wrong. But it will not be due to a lack of trying. In our age, arguments of the technological superiority of the enemy are often brandished as clear evidence of the uselessness of physical resistance. I think one could also make the argument that technological superiority in media manipulation and other fields could make nonviolent resistance useless as well. I'm not really sure why nihilists cling to the notion that technology matters at all, except that it perhaps offers an easy and lazy avenue of debate. The enemy has predator drones, therefore revolution is futile. In conjunction with Oath Keepers, I will soon be producing a video that will show the Liberty Movement how to build their own working thermal evasion suits. Perhaps this will quell the incessant proclamations that drones and tanks and Apache helicopters mean anything at all in the face of asymmetric warfare. If the enemy can't see you, they can't kill you. And for every high-tech enemy, there is a low-tech solution. Of course, I doubt this will mean anything to the nihilists, who don't have the will to fight for anything except their belief that fighting back is useless. That's right, Brandon, because these people are cowards. Cowards. And that's all it comes down to. The next section is entitled, Revolutions Are Always Co-Opted? I have heard it argued by multiple sources within the liberty movement over the, over the years that revolution is a poor option in defeating tyranny because of the cyclical nature of political and social change. They claim that all we have to do is look back at history to see that even when a revolution is successful in removing oligarchy, the resulting republic is invariably co-opted years or decades down the road. I agree to a point. The problem is not that the concept of revolution is ineffective. What these skeptics of physical rebellion tend to overlook or deliberately ignore is that no revolution in the history of man has ever gone far enough. No revolution in the history of man has ever gone far enough. Each revolution has targeted the corrupt government of their day, but no revolution has actually removed the elitist cabal behind those regimes, the same cabal of elites that has bankrolled nearly every tyranny over the past several centuries. This is in part due to the fact that knowledge of who these elites are was not widespread. Today, for the first time ever, mankind has full access to information on who the globalists are and what they want. 
In fact, the elites barely hide who they are or what their intentions are anymore. One can simply look up the roster of organizations like Bilderberg, Tavistock, Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, the International Monetary Fund, the Bank for International Settlements, etc. At least in the liberty movement, we know who the real enemy is. Co-option is always a threat if you do not know who the enemy is. A revolution against the Obama administration alone, for example, would be useless because President Obama is nothing but a puppet, a mascot playing a role. That's exactly right. A good actor, but little less than that. Removing middlemen is a half measure, and anyone who tries to lead you into revolution on the premise that Obama alone is the source of your troubles is probably an elitist leading you toward disaster. If you are not removing the root of the threat, the threat will persist. Now, I'm going to chime in here for a moment. The real root of the threat is the ignorance of the population. It's not just the globalist cabal of elitists. It is the mindset of the people who are so ignorant and don't want to be free. They want to be ruled. That's the main problem, and that's where revolutions have stopped short. They've allowed all of these ignorant people to just breed up around them and to stay here, people who want to be ruled, to stay where you just successfully accomplished a physical rebellion. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on this broadcast when I'm going to read a little bit of um, uh, an article by Thomas Paine where he talks about Tories who were loyalists to the British crown during the time of the American Revolution. And it parallels nicely with these couple of articles on you know, guns and gun ownership and rebellion, uh, the fear of self-defense and rebellion against tyranny. Continuing with this section of the article called Revolutions Are Always Co-opted? Co-option also occurs when people become obsessed with the idea of popular top-down leadership rather than bottom-up decentralized resistance. If you are out there looking for the next George Washington on a white horse to save you from tyranny, then you will eventually get him. But he may not be all what he seems. Beware of generals and top brass suddenly in support of revolution. Beware of any notion of a military coup. Beware of any revolution that uses political party divisions as a motivator. Beware of any government with a central bank that wishes to bankroll your revolution. Stay decentralized and refuse any push for top-down leadership. This is the only way to avoid co-option. Brilliant and true. The next section in this article is entitled, Revolution Solves Nothing Because Mankind is, quote, predisposed to tyranny, question mark. The great lie being injected into the movement over the past few years is that removal of the elites will solve nothing because the real problem is the corrupt nature of humanity in general, and that if we remove one set of elites, they will simply be replaced with another set, as if society is fatally predisposed to develop an elitist class. This is the most vapid form of defeatist garbage ever regurgitated by nihilists. Now, I want to jump in on this paragraph here. Because um, I definitely don't fully agree with the sentiment that all we need to do is take out a small percentage of p- 
people, the elite cabal, the, the globalists, the dark occultists, whatever you want to refer to them as, and the problem will, will be solved. Um, I don't agree with that. I don't know if that's exactly the type of sentiment he's, you know, advocating here. But what I'm saying is, without question, the ignorance of the human population is the root of the problem. And there are many people who will just step right into those roles. I mean, you just talk to people on the street. You, you need to go no further than outside your own home and talk to some people in your neighborhood if you live in any kind of a metropolitan area and ask them, would you trade places with the rulers of the world? And in a heartbeat, you'll get hundreds of people all around you saying, without any doubt, put me in their position right now. This is not, however, okay, inherent to humanity. This is not human nature, okay? So it's not because we are predisposed to thinking like this. It is because we are culturally engineered to think like this. It is a program that is running that has to be disinfected from the human brain, disinfected from the human soul. And that can be done. People can be re-educated by learning the truth, by learning information about consciousness, by learning information about themselves and how their minds work, how their psyches work. This is the occult information that has been held back by the elitists, the dark occultists, to gain a tactical advantage over humanity and rule them because that population is completely ignorant of how those dynamics of nature work. So I just wanted to say that, you know, that's my take on that. They would be replaced by another set of dark Kabbalists if nothing changes in the minds of the people, if nothing changes in the population, spiritually. So I'll continue with this article on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I've been reading an article by Brandon Smith entitled, Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution. We're in the last section called, Revolution Solves Nothing Because Mankind is Predisposed to Tyranny? Question mark. And he started this by, you know, raising the argument that people bring up that, you know, humanity is corrupt, you know, by its nature, the corrupt nature of humanity in general. And if we take out one set of elites, then people will just replace them and, you know, we'll have the same problem as ever. And I I said that 
I do think that that is the case, that that would happen, but not because this is our nature, but because people are so mind-controlled and conditioned that they want to be like their own enslavers. Again, this is, you know, the concept that they have given us their mindset. A lot of people have psychopathic tendencies dwelling within them, and they would change place with their enslavers in a heartbeat if only they could be the rulers. And that is not human nature, ladies and gentlemen. That is human conditioning. And only a a deep exploration of the self and human consciousness is going to change that mentality, that mindset, that soul sickness. Because that's what it is. That's sickness of the soul. And that is not human nature. We are not born like that. So that's what I would add to that. But continuing with the article, the last couple of paragraphs. First, we have no idea whatsoever what life would be like without the globalist network because we have never lived in a society in which they have been removed, even for a single generation. I think early America after the revolution is the only example I can find of a society free from most elitist controls. And the prosperity that developed in that environment leads me to believe that removal of the entire elitist framework would result in undeniable positive changes for the world. I I do agree with that. Why else would the globalists spend the past two centuries attempting to dismantle the Constitution and Bill of Rights? Second, if mankind is so predisposed to becoming naturally subservient to an elitist class, why do the elites feel so compelled to manipulate the masses with complex forms of propaganda and fear tactics? Exactly. Why go through all the trouble of engineering economic disparity and war? What is the point if we are all dumb animals just waiting to be ruled? The argument is nonsense. The elites spend billions of dollars, if not trillions of dollars in capital and go to such extreme and go to such extremes because oligarchy is not a natural state of man. It is so unnatural that the elites are forced to expand constant energy trying to keep us from progressing away from the slave dynamic exactly from the slave mindset. I believe revolution is indeed necessary, a final revolution to remove the influence of the globalist cult once and for all. Not only their puppet governments, puppet political parties, and puppet despots, but the globalists themselves. Will bad men still exist in the world? Of course they will. But the kind of advanced and well-organized internationalist machine that exists today will no longer exist. To save a patient poisoned to the extreme, the the patient must be purged until his body can recover on its own. The elites are a poison that must be physically removed from the human system. Now, there are some powerful and brilliantly written words, and I commend this gentleman on the writing of this article. I'll post it with the podcast, folks. My suggestion is to spread it to as many people as will read it because Americans need to read that and understand what's written there. It's probably the best article or piece of writing I've seen uh, since uh, Aquinas wrote his uh, small essay called On Liberty. 
So I want to read one more small thing from Thomas Paine from the crisis in 1776 after this break, and then we'll go to the phones. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So I just completed reading that great, very well-written article by Brandon Smith entitled Understanding the Fear of Self-Defense and Revolution. And it all really comes down to one dynamic, folks. It always has only ever come down to one dynamic. And that's cowardice. Something many people just don't want to hear, don't want to talk about. That's that's what this is all about. You know? I mean, if you haven't figured that out, you're not paying attention. Good people are just loath to do the right thing if it's going to cost them something, especially if it may cost them something physical, like their well-being or their life. You know, all these arguments that these pacifists bring up are always struck down by simple logic. Revolution, if it's righteous, isn't morally wrong. I mean, by definition, if it's revolution against tyranny, it's something that's right. That is a right. So what if the enemy has stronger technological capabilities? What does that mean? You lay down to tyranny? You lay down to evil? Because you think you can't win? That's just pure cowardice. You're not going to bother to try just because you think uh, it'll be co-opted in the end? It's a defeatist mindset. It's a defeatist attitude. And this totally poisonous worldview of human nature. Oh, we're just evil by our inherent nature. You know, human beings are just bad. We have a corrupt nature and we're just predisposed to tyranny. So, so we should just live under it and accept our, our fate, right? We should just accept our lot in life. You know, it would be great if there was a a place where if people wanted to go and live like that, they can go live under whatever kind of bondage they want. But unfortunately, there are people who want their freedom and are living in the same place. That's why I have a huge moral problem with mindsets like that, with arguments like what these pacifists come up with or these nihilists come up with or these moral relativists come up with. If it only affected you, 
<laughs> you're entitled to all your beliefs, anything you want. Unfortunately, there's other people living in the world that your sick, twisted mindset is affecting. You're affecting my freedom, my rights, my life, my property. Therefore, I have a big moral problem with what these kind of people are advocating in the position of just lay down to tyranny. No, I don't think I will. Because what it comes down to is they're just cowards trying to justify their immoral position of letting evil run rampant. Want to hear the truth of the matter? That's it, folks. That's all it comes down to. So I want to read a quote by probably the greatest mind to have existed on the American continent, if you ask me. And that is Thomas Paine. Who, if you want to know who was one of the architects, the real architects of the American Revolution, you need look no further. Unfortunately, most people aren't familiar with his writings because they keep his name out of American history books, largely. So they don't want people understanding what Thomas Paine understood. They don't want anybody becoming as much of an extremist as this man was, an extremist toward the truth. Because he was, in general, an anarchist and didn't believe anybody had a right to rule, didn't believe we should have instituted a new government. Wasn't there at the Continental Congress to bring in the Constitution, you know. He just wanted us to rebel against the crown and live free on the land, period, the end which is how it should be and how it should always be. God forbid, real freedom. You know, what are we talking about here? You know, that's sacrilege. Sacrilege against religion of authority. There is a an absolutely phenomenal set of writings by Thomas Paine called The American Crisis, or simply The Crisis. Folks, if you haven't read this, you need to, because it will give you an idea of the mindset of the, of the brilliance of this man. The first crisis um, newsletter, article, essay, whatever you want to call it, was written on December 23rd, 1776, after the American Revolution had already begun. Long after, probably over, it was over, this is over a year now after Lexington and Concord, the battles of Lexington and Concord. And in this paper, Thomas Paine says this regarding why the enemy, the British troops, have chosen to make their landings or their seat of their uh, war against the colonies the middle colonies, the middle states before they were states, the middle colonies. <clears throat> and namely, the middle colonies were um, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. And they did not choose to land their troops largely in the northern, the New England states or colonies or the southern ones. They eventually came through the southern states as well, but... Um, they didn't choose to attack New England first, which is where the revolution started. They, 
And they did this strategically because they knew they wouldn't have any ideological support among the population in the New England colonies. Whereas if they landed in a place where a lot of people were benefiting from the interaction with the crown, making a lot of money, were set, were very rich, were not being oppressed the way that the people up in New England were being oppressed, that they would receive ideological support for their effort by the local populace. Or in other words, the Tories, those who were still loyalists to king and country. You know, they were still loyalists to this psychopathic boy sitting on a chair, thinking he's God on earth. A psychopathic punk clown little boy calling himself a king over men. I mean, you have to be joking. Anybody that thinks, has ever thought anything like that is legitimate is a joke. They're a joke of a human being. And all these Tories living in the middle, middle colonies went right along with the, the whims of the king. Many of them. And, and I'll read this article and then I'm going to comment on it because it is profoundly significant to why revolutions, and specifically the American Revolution, did not succeed in the way that it could or should have, and why we're probably going to need another one. So here's the quote, and you know what, as a matter of fact, I mean, recognizing the brilliance of someone like Thomas Paine and his writings... I think on the next show after the conference uh, in two weeks, again, I will not be on the air live next week because I'll be at the Free Your Mind conference speaking and hanging out with the other speakers and the attendees. So there won't be a show next week. I'll probably replay, uh, you know, a recent show. Um, But in two weeks, I think I'm going to read the entire paper, The Crisis number one by Thomas Paine. But this is a small excerpt from it that I just want to bring up here tonight because of how nicely it parallels with the other articles I've read. And here's the quote. Why is it that the enemy have left the New England provinces and made these middle ones the seat of war? The answer is easy. New England is not infested with Tories and we are. He wrote this from Pennsylvania, from right here in Philadelphia, actually, where I am at today. And, um, you know, he's referring to where he's at in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, that it is infested with Tories, as he says. Continuing with the quote, he says, I have been tender in raising the cry against these men and used numberless arguments to show them their danger. But it will not do to sacrifice a world either to their folly or their baseness. The period is now arrived in which either they or we must change our sentiments or one or both must fall. And what is a Tory? Good God, what is he? I should not be afraid to go with a hundred Whigs against a thousand Tories were they to attempt to get into arms. Every Tory is a coward. For servile, slavish, 
Self-interested fear is the foundation of Toryism. And a man under such influence, though he may be cruel, never can be brave. Thomas Paine, The American Crisis, December 23rd, 1776. Now, there are words of wisdom. And just substitute statist for Tory. Or better yet, just substitute willing slave in there. One who goes along with their enslavement, who doesn't rebel against it. Then you'd really have something that is not only accurate, but is appropriate everywhere. Every Tory is a coward. Every statist is a coward. Every willing slave is a coward that doesn't rebel against their slavery. Every order follower is a coward. So appropriate to the discussion about understanding the fear of self-defense and revolution. The psychological dynamic that is at work is cowardice that is brought about through self-loathing and through conditioning people to believe that somehow they should just accept their servitude or somehow they deserve it. And only a self-loathing person can buy into bullcrap like that. That someone is deserving of their slavery imposed upon them by psychopaths. In two weeks, I'll read that whole article because it makes so many other brilliant points. But I want to take calls on the air tonight. And and the calls, again, I'll give the call-in number once again. The call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. I want to hear from people on the entire topic of gun ownership, of the true meaning and purpose of the Second Amendment, the, the presentation that I gave over the last few weeks. And on the psychological dynamic of why people fear physical rebellion. I also would love to hear from people in places where the population has been disarmed of firearms. And can really not offer any true physical resistance should their government become completely tyrannical. But really all governments today are completely tyrannical. You know, it's their way or death or escalating up physical violence unto death, which is called living under total coercion, which is slavery. If the truth is told, the way it really is, and people are loath to admit that, because what that implies then is responsibility to physically do something, to act. And nobody wants to be the person who says something needs to be done about this, not just talked about, but done. So let's go to the phone lines. Let's hear from Gumby in Colorado. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Mark? Yes. Yes, this is Jeff in Cambodia. Oh, okay. Must have, uh, I must have uh, gotten, uh, gotten that confused. So go right ahead, Jeff. Jeff in Cambodia. Uh, I spoke to you, I think, a couple weeks back. Um, welcome back to the show. Hey, 
That was a couple weeks back. We got caught up at the end there. I just wanted to let you know that I'm uh, very glad that you're out there talking about gun ownership to the extent that you are. However, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, you're a lot more optimistic about the future than I am. When you mentioned cowardice and you mentioned, for example, the young generation being taught about Gandhi, Right. To the exclusion, which I have no problem with. But if you're going to talk about that to the exclusion of the colonials, which in my mind was the only contract that humanity really ever had as a protection against tyranny, then what you've got is you've got a mind control. Fear is that, yes, we've got 100 million gun owners now and uh, in America and in you know, we'd like to think that that'll make a difference. However, they don't care about those people. They'll just wait for this generation to die off, and they got the young young kids who will take the microchip for free internet, bet on it. And the furthest thing from their minds is the ownership of a gun, no matter yep. what their parents say. The, their minds kids. are absolutely infested with, with co- outright communist propaganda in the schools today. I mean, a friend of mine, I don't know if he wants me to mention his name on the air, but, uh, you know, so I won't, I'll, I'll just, you know, an, an anonymous friend who is in uh, a college here locally uh, around the Philadelphia area um, recently told me that uh, high sc- I'm sorry, college professors who are teaching history in local colleges are telling their students that people like Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong have just have a bad reputation laid upon them by most modern Americans and they weren't they weren't as evil as they are portrayed to be the two largest mass murdering dictators in the probably the last several hundred years being told to our children in schools that they weren't evil people great uh, you know and the thing is when you look at it, you just have to wonder, you have to wonder if this next generation coming along would put up any resistance whatsoever. I personally think no. I think it's over. So I'm getting myself ready spiritually. Jeff, <laughs> stay, stay with us through the break. I'll let you continue on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're taking your calls for the duration of the show this evening. The call-in number to join us, toll-free, 800-313-9443. We're talking to Jeff in Cambodia, and um, 
you know, he was uh, alluding to the fact that he believes that the minds of the youth are so taken by the indoctrination system of public schooling that uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to get enough of their minds uh, freedom-oriented enough to really wage this ideological war, let alone a physical one, because so many of them are put off uh, and told that guns are somehow a bad thing, don't get involved in that, don't understand self-defense or real freedom. And I, you know, came back with that uh, a, a friend of mine told me recently that in uh, college classes in history, children, the, the classes are being taught that Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong were just well-intentioned people that were just misunderstood and just didn't get the things that they wanted to accomplish through in the right way, and they just get a bad rap by modern Americans. You know, two of the biggest mass murderers who starved out and executed more people than any other totalitarian regimes. Uh, they're being taught in American schools that somehow these were just well-intentioned people and they, they were just misunderstood by, by people in a wider sense and they just get a bad reputation in the modern world. Imagine this being taught in American schools. It's an utter disgrace. Jeff, uh, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here, Mark. Okay. Uh, I think you hit it right on the head. And the problem is, it's as you well know, it's a heck of a lot more than just the schools. At every possible angle, on the internet, anywhere you go, a, a massive percentage of what you see is going to be anti-gun, anti-freedom agenda. Now, we, people like us, I would say, and you may have commented on this on one of your early podcasts, we tend to, in our own minds, exaggerate how effective we are being. Now, I hope I'm wrong about that, but as you've intimated before, it's a minuscule percentage of the population that even thinks along the lines that we do. Without, so, without a doubt. It, without you know, a doubt, Jeff. Question, like, I have people ask me all the time, well, Jeff, if what you're saying is true, why is uh, Alex and Steve Quayle and, uh, and uh, you know, Mark, why are these guys not dead? Well, it's very simple, because the powers that be don't need to kill you. They right. don't need to kill me. Exactly. All they need to do is wait for this generation to die off because they got the next one microchipped, bagged, and tagged. They would be, if they did try to do something like that, they would be lending incredible credibility to the message that we've all spoken thus far, and they don't want to do that. You know, right. they, they, they want to marginalize us through ignoring us, through not giving uh, people in the tr true alternative media any real press. So, um... I agree. The numbers are paltry. That doesn't mean we should give up, but we have a long, long, long way to go. And we have to increase our numbers by speaking the truth to everyone around us. That is what the great work is all about. Jeff, I want to thank you for the call. Yes. Yep. I want to thank you for the call and for the insights that you brought up. Really great. Ladies and gentlemen, another hour of calls coming at you. Toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. Stay with us, everyone. See you on the other side of this break.
that's what it's all about. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening, listening to, to What on Earth what is Happening on here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Mind control, natural law, the occult. Looks like we're having a all problem with the docking on the intro the music. What on Earth is Happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. All right, there it goes, finally ducking back down. So, um, into the third hour of the show, we're going to take your calls during this hour. The toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, toll-free, 800-313-9443. I'd like to hear people call in to talk about gun rights ownership. Gun ownership rights, I'd like to hear them talk about self-defense explore more this psychological fear of self-defense and physical rebellion against tyranny. You know, our, our ancestors didn't have a problem with it, at least not here in America they didn't. You know, they did the right thing when the time came. It might have taken them a while to get their act together and get it in gear, but, you know, they beat back the tyrants once and I think it needs to be done again. It's going to need to be done again at some point. Unless we can really do the great work of putting the mindset of true freedom into people, helping them to understand what rights are, helping them to understand natural law. But you look around at the colossal ignorance around us, it seems highly unlikely. The numbers that we have on on that front are paltry compared to where they need to be to really affect a change in consciousness worldwide. I'm not saying that that means we need to physically, you know, do this now, but I'm saying the time is going to be upon us at some point and people need to be prepared for it and they need to make sure they do not give up their right to self-defense ever for any reason, no matter what happens. And now is the time that is rife to watch for false flag events and human sacrifice ritualistic events that are designed specifically to to inject fear into the human mind on a mass level so that people will willingly lay down their rights. And if you see anything like that occur, know that it is a staged event. I mean, as soon as it occurs, you can guarantee that's a staged event. Like all these false flags always are. So let's continue with... Uh, the phones, and let's hear from Tom in California. Tom, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Yes. Yeah, great show tonight. Thank uh, you. With 
Are you still there? Yes. I said thank you. Oh, okay. My question is is of the tyranny. You know, I got a letter. I haven't uh, paid my taxes, and I, you know, I'm a small kind of guy. I do the swap meets, sell surfboards, and that kind of thing. Right. I'm just wondering if they're going to be breaking down my door and dragging me away with their guns because it's been about ten years since I filed. I don't make a whole lot of money, you know, and I listened to a podcast that you had last week and you had a caller that called in and you mentioned that, like me, you just pay cash and take cash when you, uh, uh, you know, do your work, et cetera, et cetera. Have you had any type of problems with that? I, I won't file any paperwork. I won't put my name on any paperwork that says that there's going to be a middleman, you know, so... That's that's just how I, I do things when I conduct business with people. You know, it, it, it's a it's a a verbal contract between two sovereigns, and that's it. You know, right. you're not. I, I don't give you permission to tell anybody what you paid me. So right, right. I understand. I understand that, but I mean, if it's been a while, like me, and you haven't filed anything, and finally they're catching up with me. I mean, have you had that same problem or, or no? Not I have yet. not. I have not and don't really anticipate that, but it, they must have tracked some kind of paperwork down that you, you filed at some point or signed with oh, somebody yeah, else yeah, at yeah. some it, point. It, it's some, you know, you know, in the 90s, I, you know, I filed and then I just right. kind of dropped off the planet. Right. So I'm just wondering what to expect. And that is a form oh, they've of... Oh, they've come at people with violence for that in the past. So I'm not going to... You know, just, yeah. uh, you know, make you feel good and tell you that that's not outside the realm of possibility because it most certainly is. And therein lies the problem. The fact that someone right. would come at somebody with violence for you not paying them an amount that they say you must pay them. That's just extortion. It's theft. You know, it's not voluntary. It's based on coercion and violence. And anybody would say that that's acceptable and just watch it happen is unacceptable, you know. No, and, and, you know, I'm a small kind of, you know, time guy just doing swap meets, selling surfboards, used bikes. You know, I live by the beach, and I live, uh, you know, try to fly under the radar, and they just finally caught up with me. So I'll just well, I'll just kind of see what happens. But I appreciate you and all the work that you do, and you've got a great show, and I love the Thomas Paine. Uh, and do read the, his whole thing, you know, after your uh, absolutely. mind. Absolutely. Uh, Conference. Absolutely, I definitely intend to. He he was a brilliant, brilliant thinker, and more people need to read his writings for certain. So, Tom, I want to thank you for that call. Uh, great points that you raised, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a shame that this is the society that we live in, and we consider it civilized, where people come at people for violence for not paying extortion fees called taxation. You know, just outright theft. You know, taking choice out of the equation, taking freedom out of the equation and saying, whatever number we arbitrarily set, you'll pay it, you know, because it's serfdom. Uh, I mean, let's call it what it really is. That's serfdom and slavery, period. And if people don't see it as such, they don't see what the truth of the matter is. Um, let's uh, move on to another caller and let's hear from Elizabeth in Connecticut. Elizabeth, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I wanted to uh, thank you very much for the video you posted. I learned a lot on the one on the second, the real meaning of the Second Amendment. Um, I learned a lot. I've been pretty indifferent to gun ownership, I guess, all my life. I know usually most people are have you know one 
um, extreme opinion or the other. Right. And um, I'm yeah, it it kind of it it's been a catalyst for me to sign up, you know, to to get classes. And great. I, I think what I'd also like to learn is you know um, other methods of self defense. Um, sure. I think that's very valuable as well. I mean, you know, martial arts, hand-to-hand combat, things like that. Um, you, you can't go wrong uh, with that kind of knowledge, uh, you know, at your disposal. So uh, it's also, um, you know, something that will keep you in, in good shape and uh, it'll keep your mind in good shape as well. So I think it's definitely a valuable pursuit to get involved in other areas of self-defense as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think my problem has been actually finding some uh, ways to do it. I know the gun classes out here are booked up for another couple months. I can't even sign up for that. <laughs> it's actually more popular finding. than people would uh, expect. You know, L- like you said, uh, they're they're packed full, and it's almost like a waiting list where you're at. Um, a lot of people are taking interest. It's a good encouraging sign, actually, and th- they can also be expensive. You know. That's why, you know, in local groups that that I work in, I I volunteered if anybody is just not familiar with firearms at all and just uncomfortable and, you know, just wants basic instruction. I I would say I'm no, you know, expert, super expert by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I have a a decent amount of knowledge on some basic platforms and, you know, would always be willing to help people out that, you know, are uh, liberty-minded. And I've, I've put that offer out there to to many people locally at least but um you just got to really get involved with people that you know you know are of the same mindset who you know you can trust after being around them for a while and you know just uh you know uh go go to a range with them you know uh make it like a, a fun thing to do amongst people that you hang out with that's really what's going to bring some camaraderie uh, amongst people who really care about the right of self-defense and the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, I, I think it's just, you know, we need more community when it comes to this whole dynamic. Instead of people being atomized and on their own with it, you know, uh, get together and, uh, you know, make it a social event. You know, I, I think it'll it'll definitely bring more value to the entire endeavor. Yeah, thanks for that suggestion. I'm having a hard time kind of getting started. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up with guns. I'm, right. I'm I don't. I don't really have a, a network of people that sure. uh, use them. Um, my daughter's boyfriend does, but um, you know, with his schedule, I don't know if that's something I could ever get in contact with him about. But uh, yeah, I like that approach of you know finding people like that. Sure. You know, um, the same is true for me. Uh, my family didn't uh, stress any kind of uh, you know gun rights, uh, gun ownership rights, or um, I didn't have a background in that. Uh, I was in the Scouts when I was very young and, you know, shot basic rifles there. But beyond that, I, you know, picked this up recently. It, financial difficulty is also a big struggle when it comes to this because it can be very, very expensive. So that's another thing that people have to take into consideration. You have to start uh, according to your means right now. And, you know, um, starting is is the most difficult part of it. But, um, 
again, my basic suggestion would be just get in touch with some people who have already begun that endeavor, ask for help, ask for help from people that you think that, you know, who uh, are reliable and, and responsible, of course. And I guarantee they'd be all too happy to help, help you out and get started. Yeah, and I understand laws can differ from state to state, and yes. I hear that there's some laws proposed on ammunition, banning yep. um, ammunition. Um, I don't know, but that's obviously another motivating factor, you know, the fact that they're talking about um, banning body armor, uh, limiting ammunition. Yep. I, you know, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I'm just learning, but it's just, just right amazing. There, it's just amazing how many end runs they're trying to do against the Second Amendment that, you know, basically states the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period. I mean, there's nothing after that, you know. That means you cannot stop somebody from maintaining or carrying protective weaponry. The end. All laws that are regarding that are invalid in every state. And no one seems to understand that, you know. As soon as you... As soon as a lawmaker tries to pass a law that says you may not have this defensive weapon of any kind, it's invalid immediately on its face. And that's what we need to get across to American citizens and people throughout the rest of the world, too. You know, this is an inherent human right, period. Man cannot take that away from humanity, period. It didn't come from man. You know, that's... that's Part of the whole root of the problem is people don't understand rights or where they come from. That's that's the main crux philosophically of the problem that we face. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for you know enlightening on that deeper understanding. Um, I never you know hearing some about some of these laws, you know these proposals going on always bothered me even even not being a gun owner. Right. And hearing that going on was just to me a little you know that that's just absolutely that's just fishy right there right. and I so that that really just got me right there and and I just want to thank you again you know, absolutely for that, video, that I, deeper I, understanding and I realize it's going to be a constant fight for my freedom that's and right. that's the way it is that's, that's right that's Elizabeth, it. <laughs> I want to I want to thank you for for those sentiments, and I think you're really on the right side philosophically. And uh, I'm glad that you got a lot of value out of the uh, Second Amendment presentation. So, thank you so much uh, for the call. Thank you. You got it. Great. Let's hear from Tom in Toronto. Tom, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Uh, I was just thinking about what you said earlier. You know about the elites and you cut them down and then another one replaces them. I was thinking about the symbolism with the, the Hydra in mythology. Yes. You know, with uh, Hercules, he cuts off the heads of the Hydra and they grow back, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I anyways, mean, it's very to... very symbolic of that dynamic for sure. You know, that, yeah. uh, that does, you know, kind of uh, bring to mind that there's a lot of people that just want to step right into that role. You know, they are of that mindset. They have conditioned us with that mindset socially. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people just go out on the street and talk to some people and say, hey, would you uh, trade places with some of the uh, richest, uh, most callous people in America? You know, if you could get to the, the level of, you know, the financial level that they enjoy. And they would do it in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. You know, I don't want any of their money. I want to be free and left alone. The end. That's it. You really want to know what I want? That's it. it it's, you know, it's it's like, 
in the first article today. The guy was saying, I don't carry a gun because I'm in fear. I'm, I carry a gun because it allows me to remain unafraid because I know I have the ability, the response ability to deal with whatever problem may come my way when it comes to physical violence or coercion. And it allows me to enjoy the number one inherent human right, which is the right to be left alone. I agree. Uh, I was actually, somebody told me once, you know, like, if we all own guns, it would be chaos. I'm like, oh, the exact opposite. Wow. That's big brainwashing right there. Yeah. Why does chaos break out now? Because most people can't defend themselves. Boy, when I'm around all my friends who are gun owners, it must be a real chaotic event. Let me tell you, you know, we're we're all sitting there armed, and whew, the chaos that breaks out. Let me, t- oh man, you wouldn't you wouldn't even be able to imagine it. The level of chaos. <laughs> I mean, it's just this is how brainwashed people are. It's so ridiculous, you know. Well, yeah. Plus, like, who else but the government can commit? such large-scale violence using wars because they have the funding from taxation, you know? Exactly. People, the average person who owns a firearm, you know, all he wants to do is protect protect his own stuff, his own body, his own property. That's right. Better. Tom, we're coming, up to, we're coming up to the break. Hold on uh, through the other side. I'll let you continue on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. back everyone sorry for that delay there you're listening to what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com we were talking in the last segment from uh with tom from toronto uh tom are you still with us yes okay i'll let you continue uh, with your thoughts there and uh uh then I, I can move on to another caller okay yeah so like i was saying oh, taxation is only way that large-scale violence can be conducted because wars are so expensive so really a government or some entity that takes from others is the only one that can continue a war for the mass amount of resource uh expended in the process without a doubt i mean imagine how much of all of that confiscated money is going to just control in, in whatever way they see fit to do it. And then they can print money as well. You know, they could print as much money as they want and use it for control purposes. You know, we're funding our own enslavement, which is why people have to say no and stop doing it. You know, just stop 
contributing to what these psychopaths want people to do. You know, I, I just won't do it. You know, it's, it's most people just don't have the courage to just live a life like that. They just won't do it. Like I'm not going to take part in that system where I'm contributing to that. I don't care what happens to me. That's the bottom line. The bottom line, it all comes down to, do you care more about comfort or do you care more about freedom and what's right? The end. That's it. And people can say whatever they want that, oh, if I go into a store, I buy something, there's sales tax associated with it, I'm still paying it. I'm minimizing it to the extent that it is within my power to minimize it. You know, nobody needs to tell me I need to go and live without technology, live out in the woods someplace. No, you go live out in the woods someplace, somebody that says that to somebody. You know, I'm minimizing the negative damage that I do to other people by my refusal to pay the bulk of whatever I make through my contribution of work, you know, and that's what I can do. You know, this whole argument, well, you know, do nothing. Well, what, sit there in a corner and rot and die, you know, and, 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 you know, not eat, not do anything, you know, because somehow you're going to be contributing into the, into the system. Yeah. I have to live among it to, to try to change it. That doesn't mean I need to be involved in it. You know, I'm not involved in doing it, but I try to minimize my impact as much as possible. So I mean I hear I totally hear what you're saying. More people have to recognize that this these uh, resources that are being confiscated under duress are being put right back into the work of enslaving the very people who are paying that money, without a doubt. Yeah, on that point, on that point as well, I agree. You know, not only does it like really the ownership of like crazy amounts of land contribute to large-scale crime, but also small-scale crime. How many people, you know, were just, like, committing a mugging or just starving to death? You know? They don't really have an option like, oh, you know, I could go out into the field, get some land, and start growing my own food. Like, no, all this land belongs to us. Right. You know? Sure. The the claim so, of the ownership on land that isn't even being used for anything, you know? I know. It's kind of like... contradictory to the whole concept of ownership so people aren't using it and yet they're keeping it from other people it's not really legitimate ownership uh yeah well tom i want to thank you for the call and for the points that you brought up thanks so much and um let's move on and let's hear from jonathan in kentucky jonathan you're live on what on earth is happening welcome uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to give some words of encouragement instead of uh, just speaking on knowledge. Sure. I kind of want to help with action. Without a doubt. Uh, yes. Um, and if you guys are, anybody who's listening to this radio station, uh, you need to buy a firearm. And I'm not saying this to be invoking any type of fear. Sure. But you need a very weapon. I'm nine years in the infantry, so I've went first firsthand with people who are insurgents, which were the U.S. military inserting themselves, and I've dealt with guerrillas who are locals. And you need to at least one first get a network going with your community. You need to weed out who is, uh, you know, a part of the system and who is like-minded, and you need to invest into a firearm. I, I would recommend if you are cost efficient to get a FKS. You and a friend 
throw down a hundred dollars together and you can split a thousand rounds of seven sixty by thirty nine. Uh stock up on some twenty round Tapco magazines that are about four bucks a piece. You know, combat load is six plus one. An excellent and, uh, choice. Yes. Jonathan, nice stay guys. with us stay with us through the break and I'll let you continue your thoughts on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Taking your calls through the rest of the show. Toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. We were talking to Jonathan in Kentucky. Uh, Jonathan, I think you were um, recommending to people um, uh, uh, a... Uh, a choice that you uh, thought was a good one for uh, a semi-automatic, uh, the uh, Russian SKS, which is chambered in the uh, 762 by 39 variant and, um, you know, is uh, pretty inexpensive and would probably be a good choice for a, uh, a person getting a first semi-automatic rifle. Jonathan, are you still? Uh, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yes, uh, and I would recommend, uh, they'll have different names on them, Norinko, that's usually Chinese, but they're all formatted pretty much the same. Um, you need to get something to hold magazines. Uh, for an infantryman, combat load is, is six plus one or seven mags, but you can downgrade depending on weight. You want something to hold pe- magazines, which are the, the device that holds your bullets. Right. And you want a, some, a pouch to hold your empties, and you want to have something with water. And you want to go out with your friends and wear it all day and practice shooting with it. And you want to learn muzzle control and trigger safety. So you want to sweep your buddies when you're practicing, and you want to keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. There you go. Now, now, now ladies go. and gentlemen, do you know what Jonathan from Kentucky just described there? He described a well-regulated militia. Continue. <laughs> um. And not only do you want to train to shoot, but you want to train just having the weapon with you. So find somebody that lives in a rural area and just walk with it. Walk with your friends. Practice walking in what they could say in military terms, patrolling. But just get a, get a feel of what it's like. You'll get exercise. You'll connect with the earth. And you'll, you'll get to learn the environment of where you live. And you want to start practicing with your friends. Uh, you need to find somebody that lives in a rural area. Yep. And... Uh, Yes, and uh, can yeah, be very difficult when you're in the deep urban jungle, as I am. But uh, yes. something that yes. I, I would encourage if you if you can do it, absolutely take advantage of that, without a doubt. That's good advice. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd just like to add one more thing, Mark, if sure. it's okay. Um, now I know uh, synchronicity has a lot to do with the things you hear, the things you see. Um, I just wanted to make one comment. In natural law, I would perceive to work that if you don't do any action, you were forced to make a reaction. And uh, I just wanted to say that. And uh, when I got out of the military, my last day in the military, I just want to tell you, this is kind of odd, but uh, I uh, was going to my armory that day, and on the road was a dead dog. 
and I went on the neighbor's house and asked them if that was their dog, and they said, yes, it died. And uh, I drug it off the road into the grass, and when I left and got in my car, it just hit me how symbolic that statement was. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know if that if that connects with you at all, but I just thought it was very symbolic for it being my last day, and I drug a dead dog oh, off the road. Amazing. So. I mean, uh, like synchronicity and... You know, symbolic events like that, that, you know, if you're conscious enough to pick up on them, they can have a profound impact on your consciousness. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense to me. So, yeah, and I think, uh, and I just want to tell people the reason why I say to go outside is not so much the freedom of using your firearms, is that you really need to connect with this planet. And I know that sounds hippie, but the only way you're really going to know what you have is if you start connecting. Exactly. That's all I got, Mark. Absolutely. Jonathan, thanks so much for the call. Thank you. Good advice there. You know, that's what we do need to do. We need to prepare, not put all our eggs in that basket, put them into right action, into teaching people, into learning for ourselves and changing our own minds and then helping others to change theirs. But, you know, there has to be that preparedness mindset there as well. And the, the uh, advice to connect with nature and know your surroundings is also very sound. So uh, great call there. Let's hear from Josh in California. Josh, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Well, I'll, I'll make this short. First, I just want to say a huge thank you to you. I, um, I've listened to every episode of the podcast. I just finished 189 yesterday. So Awesome. I'm- listening live as a treat to myself for a couple of years of hard work. And um, it's just been amazing, man. I uh, Just everything you've said from episode one to till now has really resonated with what I already knew, but hearing you say it helped me come into a deeper understanding, and now I'm trying to communicate it to other people. So thanks a lot, man, for slugging through with, you know, teaching you're, people the difference between right and wrong. You're very Maybe welcome. Someday Thank you we can, for the uh, compliment. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe someday we can get out of kindergarten and start, you know, dealing with the graduate level material that we deserve to think about. But um, anyway, um, just on the note of guns, I wanted to tell you that I grew up in a very, like, typical American liberal kind of household and yes. grew up in California. And um, I'm doing the hard work of admitting that I was wrong, which I think is the most important thing people can do. And realizing how conditioned I am to, or have been anyway, to, um, you know, not even consider owning a gun and thinking it's negative and everything. And I'm actually actively researching different kinds of firearms and getting ready to make my first purchase. And it is largely thanks to you. So I just wanted you to know that this is not falling on deaf ears and there'll be a hundred million and one gun owners in America. (laughs) That's fantastic. And, you know, trying to talk about this with people, because even though I'm still getting used to the idea of personally owning a gun, it clicked with me really quick that, you know, obviously gun control is just centralizing of gun ownership by the state, and it's immoral and everything, and now I'm trying to talk about this with people, and I'm just... Especially the state that you are in, unfortunately, Josh. I mean, California is the worst offender, probably next to New Jersey. I'm yeah, sorry. I was eyeing your AK and looking at Larkin Rose's AR-15 and thinking, well, <laughs> I'd love to follow suit, but apparently that's not currently an option because of the, uh, the 
people just love their slavery over here, man. It's very rough. Uh, the the two worst states, I would say, are California and New Jersey, but New York and Connecticut seem to be trying to catch up. Um, Massachusetts as well, and even Maryland. I mean, there's some really egregious uh, transgressions against the Second Amendment going on in many states. At the same time, there's some good positive um, reinforcements of the Second Amendment and gun uh, you know, ownership rights going on in many states. I think eight states in America have passed legislation firmly solidifying uh, the right to keep and bear, bear arms in their state legislatures. So there's some positive things going on on that front as well. I think people need to put a lot more uh, pressure just in, in general uh, on bringing up the discussion of the inherent nature of the right to keep and carry defensive weaponry. You know, I mean, I think there was a there's a state or at least a, some municipalities that are trying to get do away with concealed carry permits because they just say, you know, carrying a defensive weapon is a human right period it's it, it's not something that can be permitted or you know decided on whether to allow somebody to do that you know uh, and i'm totally in um in agreement with that i don't think we should have concealed carry permits you know yep. getting permission from the state to engage in a right i mean what is that you know that's just a yeah. human right and it'll be walking permits and exactly permits and- yep exactly yeah, I actually looked it up, and um, I guess this the county I live in is like a May issue for concealed carry permits, yep. and I looked it up, and they're in a county of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. There are, I think, 80, 80 or 90 concealed carry permits issued. It's just wow. sad. Yeah, that's how it is in the state of New Jersey. They have the May issue uh, concept instituted in that Nazi-controlled state as well, uh, and uh, it's a ve- an extreme rarity where, where they will issue a concealed carry permit. You know, if, if you don't give them uh, adequate reasons according to their definition of what constitutes the right to concealed carry, then uh, they yeah. deny it. Yeah, I kind of want to march into the police station here and just if they ask for a reason, you know, just point at them and say, you're the reason I need exactly. a carry permit. <laughs> That's one of the best reasons uh, at this point where we're at, you know, because they're trying yeah. to just set precedents just like the uh, SA and SS did in Nazi Germany that, you know, if you dis- disobey uh, your commanders on the street, you'll be summarily executed. That's really where the whole um, thing is going ideologically. That's what they want to psychologically set in the mindset of the people. And it's, it's just disgusting what's going on. You know, we're losing a thousand citizens a year to summary execution without trial by police in America. I mean, the rest of the world has to be completely laughing at us that we're taking this garbage. But uh, Josh, uh, great points that you brought up, and uh, I, I think it's really, really great that you turned your mindset around regarding that, and it, it really shows uh, your constitution to be able to do that and admit that you were wrong about certain points of view, and then uh, actually take action to to remedy that. So uh, my, uh, you know, uh, c- uh, congratulations on that. Thanks, Mark. Keep you doing got- great work. Thanks so much. You too. All right, let's hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Mark. Been a while. Uh, it's great great to talk with you. How, how have you been? 
right. Okay, a uh, little bit busy here and there. I'm actually calling from work tonight since I uh, changed my days off for this week so that I can make it out to the conference uh, awesome. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Oh, looking forward to seeing you. Yep. Hey, um, just real quick before I get off the phone here, um, I recorded a couple of uh, new podcast episodes, um, and my theme was a truth, mind, reality. A little two-episode, a little presentation. If people are interested in maybe catching that, they can uh, hear it on the com, and it's also on iTunes but I kind of touch on um, what you, we call militia I, the last time I spoke to you I mentioned something about helpers and that kind of over the lines of people like us that know what's going on and what needs to be done and sharing it with others so that, that's the concept I threw out there in that podcast and then also um, with your topic tonight I'm noticing um, within the last six months a lot of the TV shows and films that I'm watching I'm really picking up a lot of um, a lot of um, sacred masculine and sacred feminine topics in the movies where they yes. show a lot of the women defending themselves. Exactly. And, you know, it's actually taking action, you know, and um, even this last uh, insurgent film that was very, had a good theme at the end, you know, that the, the divergence, they were considered the people that are odd and different. But as it turns out, here's a little spoiler alert, um, as it turns out at the end of this movie, the people that are divergent or different were the ones that were part of an experiment to see if humanity can still generate uh, creative, uh, original people. And then all the other factions that were, you know, believers in government, believers in religion, believers in science, they were the part of the problem, lack right. of originality, lack of creativity. So, you know, that that was pretty good in yeah, this so movie I, showing I've heard, that. I've heard really great things about the allegorical content of this film as well. I haven't checked it out yet, but I definitely intend to. Right, and then going back to uh, some of the classics that you've talked about, I recently rewatched the Matrix trilogy, mm-hmm. and everyone knows about the original one, all the allegories in there, but I was very pleasantly surprised with the third Matrix trilogy, uh, Matrix film revolutions, and that hinted strongly to militias also because when the uh, sentinels attack uh, Zion not only are the soldiers or the warriors or the fighters fighting you see the women the women are creating explosives the missiles they're they're helping attack so it's again showing that it's everybody's you know responsibility to defend this theme was also brought up in uh, the last um uh, Hobbit film, uh, the Battle of the Five Armies, yeah. where the women be- became involved in the in the effort to fight against the uh, the uh, you know uh, insurgency of the orcs, and um, you know they uh, they took up arms as well uh, toward the end of that right. film. So that that was another uh, Jupiter ascending also had the theme of you know the 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 uh, sacred feminine aspect of having to care for a wider aspect, not just you know yourself and your family dynamic, but care for all, which I thought was a good theme within it. I, I didn't like the implementation of the actual film so much, you know, dramatically, but right. uh, the uh, the the underlying theme was was excellent. Uh, that she had to make the main heroine of the film had to make a decision between whether she was going to protect her own and her family's interests or whether she was going to extend her care to a wider extent to encompass all of humanity, which I thought was a good theme. 
Right, right. And then also, um, off, like on social media, with a lot of the Facebook videos that we're seeing with the police brutality and stuff. Yes. Um, just recently, we I saw one uh, yesterday or the day before where there was a high speed chase going on, and the car that was being chased crashed into a couple of other uh, civilian, you know, cars that were parked there. And two individuals came out of one, you know, the vehicle that was struck. And they pulled the guy out of the car that struck them and, you know, held them down until, you know, unfortunately the cult members came to arrest them. But that also showed, uh, you know, regular people taking responsibility and, you know, not just standing there with the camera phones and waiting for somebody right. else. You know, they, right. they sprung into action and, and did something. And if that, if that can be done with, uh, you know, a guy that rams into them, I'm hoping that people can step it up you know, into uh, more important situations like when police are killing other people instead of recording it to jump in and, and actually start stopping that. Absolutely. And that's pretty much all I um, got for today. I got to start heading back to work, but I'll you be seeing it. you this weekend. And um, yeah, that, that's about it. Absolutely, Ivan. Always a pleasure to hear from you. And I'll see you at the Free Your Mind 3 conference this coming weekend. All right. Take care, Mark. You got it. All right. Let's hear from Paul in Montgomery. Paul, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Uh, thank you, sir. How's it going? Going, Doing well. Yourself? Uh, very well, sir. I was prompted to call uh, by that uh, uh, sweet young lady that was talking about considering uh, owning a firearm. Yes. And uh, it just struck me, you know, because of her honesty and... and um, uh, I am 61 years old. I've lived most of my life with a policy of not owning a fire, firearm uh, until a couple of years ago when I realized for obvious reasons I needed to change that policy, and I did. So I began, to do, the re- I began to do the research, and, uh, and so I just want to pass on a couple introductory items that may help her. Sure. Uh, there Paul, are, hold, there hold on to that through the break. I'll let you continue yes, that right on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone last segment for this edition of what on earth is happening we were talking to paul paul you were just about to give some advice for a potential new firearms owner i'll let you continue with your thoughts yeah i'll try to be brief um i would say uh just what i I would recommend what i did and that is to go slow uh to do her research and to meet people uh try to find venues that she can meet people uh that are gun owners uh, I want to say right up front, uh, the statistics show that gun owners are some of the most uh, responsible people uh, in America. They're very uh, uh, even-headed uh, uh, folk, and they're, they're, they are not looking for trouble. In fact, it's quite the contrary. They are looking to avoid trouble. That's right. Uh, and, and they are prepared for, at the last, at the last uh, 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 element that's there, they are prepared to defend themselves. Correct. With, with that being said, I mean, they're very balanced folk. Uh, with that being said, I, I, there's plenty of things I could recommend, but I recommend two sites, uh, YouTube sites. 
that's Hickok 45. That's H-I-C-K-O-K 45. This is a marksman. Uh, he's an older gentleman who reviews uh, all sorts of guns. He's I'm, very, I'm very familiar with that channel, and it's an excellent one. And the next one uh, is uh, another one that you, you would uh, uh, be uh, uh, aware of, and that's Nutton Fancy. That's N-U-T-N-F-A-N-C-Y. Nutton Fancy is a retired colonel, a young man who's, uh, who, uh, who reviews guns. Now, there's a particular talk that he gives. Actually, he gives several talks on top of uh, you know his many, many reviews of guns. But there's a particular talk... I would recommend for everyone who's already a gun owner and has plenty of experience, go listen to it. And it's called The Concealed Carry Protocol. The Concealed Carry Protocol, where he discusses all the ways of avoiding issues. Just because there's an issue there don't mean you're supposed to get involved simply because you're Mr. Big Guy with a gun. Uh, you're supposed to look for every opportunity not to get involved, but you still observe. Uh, I guess the overall commentary on that is when you, uh, when you do your training and you become good with your, with your uh, pistol, you become, uh, there's a uh, term called situational, uh, situational awareness. I now, when I walk into a convenience store, when I pull into a parking lot of the Best Buy or wherever I go, I'm aware more now than I have ever, ever have been of my surroundings. It's not like I'm suspicious. It's I'm very casually looking at what's going on around me, whereas before I would just blindly enter into situations and not even think. Right. Now I, I am very aware. And I, in fact, when I got my concealed carry, uh, license after I bought my pistol, all the way home, I had a profound peace. It's not like I, you would think it would be the opposite, uh, but actually I had this profound peace and my awareness around me expanded dramatically. And expanded amazing. awareness carries with it even more responsibility. Becoming Absolutely. a gun owner actually makes you a more responsible human being. That's Amen. what this is all ultimately about. Paul, phenomenal call to end the show on. That's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, folks. Remember, there are only two mistakes you can ever make on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. Thanks so much. I really hope to see a lot of you at the Free Your Mind 3 conference this coming weekend in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, April 10th, 11th, and 12th. I'll see you right here in two weeks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night.